Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. It's one minute past seven. And thank you to Ndati John who joined us from Cape Town. Um, he'll be back tomorrow evening for two hours. So I'll only be back on the show on Monday. Um, but this evening, um, if you're tuning in, you can tune in on channel, channel 861 on the DSTV audio bouquet if you're outside of Gauteng. You can also listen at kfm.co.za and listen live. And if you've missed the previous podcasts, you can catch them at kfm.co.za on FM Rewind. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. So this evening's topic um, is, is asking, why do women choose abortion over adoption? Okay, so last year in March 2018, a South African MP, Sherilyn Dudley, um, claimed that 200,000 abortions were taking place each year, and many of them were repeat abortions, repeats in inverted commas. And so, you know, the figures were looked at, and official figures for abortions in the public and private facilities showed that in the last three years, about half of these um, abortions had taken place. And now there's an article that says that um, since abortions were legalized in South Africa, young pregnant women are opting rather for abortion than putting their, um, their babies up for adoption. And so we want to find out if it's true that women would rather give up their, women would rather, you know, terminate a pregnancy than give up um, their baby for adoption because it's more emotionally um, taxing. So you can call us on 86 and you can SMS us on 36959. But before I take your calls, I'll be welcoming um, a few guests. So th- for the first part of the show, we're going to have Unes Khaladim Patlele, who works for um, Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders. And this is an organization that offers um, you know, a wide range of health care across, across the continent, um, but especially offers safe abortion care for women. And the organization also highlights the medical impact that unsafe abortions um, has on women. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that South Africa is one of two countries that um, where abortion is legal. So it's South Africa and Tunisia. And the, re- and the rest of, on the rest of the continent, having an abortion is illegal. And there are countries where if you have an abortion, you and the doctor could be imprisoned. And, you know, as, a, as, a, as, as you know, in the work that I do, such, such draconian laws... Right, open up a whole can of worms, and I think in our country we've seen that there's a lot of these places that have popped up all over the CBDs where people offer un, um, unsafe abortions, and we don't want women to risk their lives by having unsafe abortions. So that's something to, that's something we're going to discuss um, later on in the show. So Nurse Khaled will be telling us about safe abortion care and the work that she does. Um, so we have her online. Thank you so much for joining us, um, Sister Khaled Impatlele. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Okay, so um, I appreciate the work that you do at MSF. Um, I did a bit of work with them um, a few years ago. And one thing I can say about the organization is that they're not afraid to go where no one else wants to go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how did you, how did you, um, you know, start working with the organization just briefly? And then how did you eventually find yourself working, especially with safe abortion care? Okay, yeah. So basically, where it started from my side, I started actually working in Stanet and in Pumalanga, where I was working as a professional nurse there. And then what happened is that we had a case where I was working the maternity unit where a woman came in, she was bleeding severely, and I couldn't understand what happened. You know, it was like actually my doing conserve, like the first few days actually got into the hospital. Mm. And from there, just talking with her during the day, find out, and she explained to me that, you know what, I did, I was, I did an abortion, a legal abortion, I bought the pills, and all these things happened while at home, and I got scared and I came to the hospital. Mm. And from there, that's where I just picked it up and I would ask my managers about it. I didn't know much about it, and I asked them, okay. Isn't this legal in the country? And then my manager basically told me, yes, it is. Uh, if you want to go for training for this, you can go for a training. And because there's no one actually in the whole district that was doing that. So I said, okay, no, I can do it. And she's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm sure about this. And from there, I did a training. And from there, 
been working, working about three, four years working that space at the space at the clinic, and from mm. there I moved over to Marie Stokes. I worked in Marie Stokes, been uh, their clinical manager, and from there I came to Doctors Without Borders because, you know, some services in private institutions, patients have to pay, and for me it was one of those. I want to help patients, but where no money is involved. <laughs> In so you want, yeah, you want to help the people that that can't afford that can't the afford services. It. And, it was, and when you look at the, the, if you go to the hospitals and you look at the amount of women coming in, the casualty complaining of bleeding. But if you really research and find about it, you find there is that linkage between the the, the illegal abortions where they're buying the pills and the, the people they sell. Like as soon as you start bleeding, go to the hospital. So yeah. we are like. Why not have the service available because it's legal and there are people that are willing to be trained to provide the service. And when I got the opportunity with uh, Doctors Without Borders, that's when I said, you know what, this is the, this is the place where I want to be. This is why I became a nurse because I want to help people and I don't want money to become a, a distraction in me providing the yeah. best of service that I can. Yeah. So on, a, on an average day, how many, how many women do you help? Well, on an average day, let's say... Okay, with the clinic I'm at now, I we, I do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So every Tuesday they are put booked between twenty to twenty five women a day okay. on the two days. And okay. then on the other clinics that we support that I mentioned the nurses they they probably list around fifteen a day. Okay. And I, I mean I mean I know that some of the the centers that I've I've seen that where I refer patients to, there is there's always pre counselling. You know, there's counseling before before the termination is done, and then there's counseling after the termination is done. So I assume that your facility offers the same service. Yeah, we offer the same with the training. That's like the most important thing that we emphasize on the on, on the counseling as well. And you have the act says that the the, the, the counseling is not mandatory, but the important thing that we always emphasize is more on the counseling about what the procedure is about, and and also family planning afterwards, contrast the methods of contraceptives, because you obviously don't want the women to end up in the same situation over and over and then they would be able to make an informed decision about what they want to do and also tell them about the, the other option of also uh, giving the child up for adoption instead of having a, 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 a termination. termination. Okay. Yes. And, and so when you, when you broach the subject of adoption, I mean, have, do, do, do some women go for it? What do they feel about it? Because I know that, um, you know, in our culture, well, certainly for me, adoption is not something that's at the, at the front of my mind when I see someone and I counsel them, you know, around termination and keeping the baby. I must say adoption is probably the last thing, the last thing I'd, I'd put on the table. Um, yeah. the, the reception to it, how are people open to that? In the eight years I've been doing this, only one woman has ever opted for an adoption. Mm. Yeah, and then the others, and, and it's one of the, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but Women, once they come to the, you know what? I, I think you, they really think you. I think you, you really think about the decision that you want to do and and what's the procedure that's gonna happen to you once you decide that you want to have a termination. Most of the time, like you explain, they'll, sometimes you don't even have to really explain everything. They will tell you, you know what? The emotional baggage I'm gonna have to carry with me going through the whole nine months with this pregnancy. At the end of it, I'm going to have to give this baby. I'm already going to be, I'm going to, the attachment with me and the baby at that time is just going to be too much mm. for me to let go. And that's the response you get. And most of the time, is because it's different scenarios that you'll get. One will tell you, you know what, even if I was to give the child up for adoption, I will still know that I had this child somewhere in my life. I'm going to say I want my baby back. Mm. That's, yeah, and that's and a reality. And it's a, it's a, it's a reality. And that's why most of them, they say, I, I, Rather, while it's still early, because I know it's different cases, I, I know my circumstances. I'm not in a place to have a child at this time. Yeah. And if they decide that, it's not our place to judge. But there's one thing that we always make, like the family planning, the contraceptive, it's one thing that we always make sure that what we push. And that, but the, even when the woman gets that abortion, and 100% of the women that come to our clinics for safe abortion services, they get family planning. Okay, so they so they do they yeah. do accept um the they do take they up the offer of family planning. They do take up the offer of family planning. Okay, well it's going to be interesting because later on we'll be chatting to um Nina Dikes and she's from the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. So it'll be interesting to yeah. hear from her um um how many adoptions happen on you know on an annual basis in South Africa and especially um yeah. black families um adopting um adopting um children. That'll be, it'll be interesting yeah. to hear what she has to say about it. And so getting the information out there, um, um, Nes Khaladi, concerning 
the work that you do. Um, do you guys give out flyers? Do you have adverts on radio? How do people know about the services that you offer? Okay, our people, uh, we have, uh, our project is based in Rustin, back in Bojanala district. So with that, we've got a health promotion team that goes out into the community on a daily basis where they give information to the community about the services that we offer. It's not only birthday termination that we offer, it's also sexual, it's a sexual and gender-based violence uh, project where people that have been raped or the issues of gender-based violence within the family, they would come to our facilities where we have social workers and counselors and also forensic nurses that do forensic examinations where needed. Yeah. With that, the other community, and then there is flyers that uh, is in the community, the community that we work within, and uh, that information is handed out to, to the to the community. And also there is also like it, like now, there is also radio interviews where we get requests from uh, different stations for us to speak about uh, family planning, about safe abortion services, what, what, what is illegal and what is illegal and what what a, what is a woman supposed to do when yes. she's uh, seeking for a safe abortion? Okay, great. And do you and do you um, offer the services to everyone? So it doesn't matter whether I have a passport or no passport, whether from South Africa or anywhere else, I can I can access the services because one of the challenges within the public sector is that. Um, Mong in or a passport or a permit, it's it's difficult to, to access the services. And this is one of the deterrents. This is one of the things that forces women <coughs> excuse me, to then go and, and, and do um illegal abortions. So this is a service where you can walk in there, no one's gonna ask you too many questions about your documentation and you can get help. I must, this is you guys offer that or or how does it work? Yeah. And actually, our clinics is actually based inside the government clinics. Right? Okay. So we work hand, hand in glove with the Department of Health. Okay. And with, with that, we we've, we've, we've like came up with ways, like, you know, sometimes a woman, come, I'll use a hospital as a setting, like they'll start from casualty and the casualty of security will tell them stories about, no, you know, I think you have to go for an abortion. It's against that. You go to the receptionist, the receptionist will tell you another different, a different story, say, you know what, God is going to kill you. Mm. So we made it so simple, you know what, that woman... When they come into the to the unit, especially with the sexual, we call it the sexual reproductive health clinic. Yes, you don't have to go sign up at the at the help desk. You come through, and then in the in the area where the clinic is based, that's where you'll have the the you know the government. They need to have your tick registers done, your head count, and everything, and it's done there in the unit instead of going around asking around where where can I get an abortion. And we make sure the healthcare providers as well know about the services available in the clinic, and then. Not to become a hindrance, even if it's against your religious beliefs, but just refer the woman where she needs to be. And safe abortion is one of those things, especially it's, it's provided by professional nurses and doctors. And the people that are providing it, if you have a day one day in the, in the facilities, you work, it, it's more, it, they are not mandated to provide the service, but yeah. it's the willingness out of them, you know what, I want to do this, I want to help the, the, the community. And you will see the response and in how they treat the patients there, you, you know what. This is somebody who actually wants to be here yeah. and is not being forced into doing something. And we're trying as much as possible to break those barriers. We've got values, uh, clarification workshops that we give to healthcare providers in the facilities that we help them understand on a broader perspective what 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 it is actually mean when you actually provide the service. Because if you look at it, uh, some readings also uh, World Health Organization, which is not having access to safe abortion services actually reduces the maternal death rate. Yeah, the maternal once, mortality saves lives. Yeah, and it saves lives. And one thing what I've seen, once a woman decides she wants to have an abortion, there is no way of stopping her. We've had clients where, you know what, they will come and they were above 20 weeks. Yeah. And you tell them, you know what, this is the option, we can't help you. And some would actually tell you to your face, you know what, I'm going to buy this pill and I'm going to come back here and you're going to help me. Yeah, and and that's what and that's what you're gonna deal with, and they do come back, and she's leaving you to yeah, you're gonna have to help with the emergency. Yeah, you have to do the the, the evacuation. No, it it it's it, it. yeah, it's tragic. I mean, I know that I attended a meeting in one of our neighboring countries, and it was just yeah. sad to hear. That, I mean, that in that country, termination of pregnancy is illegal, and these men were going on and on about how evil this is and so on, and I remember asking, if it was your sister or your cousin or your daughter. Would it change what you're saying? Because for some people, that's the reality that they have to face. So it's okay if I if I say that women don't, shouldn't have access to safe abortions. Now, if my sister falls pregnant and she doesn't want to keep the baby, what's going to happen to her? 
machine then find herself in some you know um, back back street clinic in town having a coat hanger you know um it's yeah. shoved up her up, up up her vagina no so people need to think about it like that as well you would see the way we are so judgmental about certain things you actually endanger people's lives and and the the outcome is always death right because yeah. illegal abortions do kill but we're taking we're taking your calls on 86 you can sms on 36959 the hashtag on Twitter is Sidebar Cindy and the other hashtag is KFM Talk. As we talk about, you know, abortion versus adoption, how many young, young women are opting to, to give up their babies for adoption as opposed to, to having a termination of pregnancy? And I want to make this an informative show because at the end of the day, we need to inform people on what is available out there. So it's, not, it's got nothing to do with your, your religion or your beliefs, right? I mean, you can be a Christian and still make sure that women get safer portions done because we don't want anyone to die. So I'm chatting to Nurse Khaladin Patlele from Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, and he works with safe abortion care and they provide the service in public sector facilities. Um, so just just before we let you go, um, Nurse Khaladi, because we've got a few minutes left with you, um, when a woman comes into your facility, what's the patient's journey for her? Because... You know, we need to know. You're not going to get told by the security guard at the gate that no, don't do this, whatever it is. Where, what, what she can, what can she expect? Who must she talk to? Where must she go? In a in a typical facility. In a typical first, we're in the facility is very basic. First of all, if you don't know where it is, the, the receptionist in the main entrance she will tell you where to go. Yes. And then from there, once you and are you don't have to explain. Uh, so, so you can, all you have to say is you're looking for the sexual reproductive health clinic. You don't have to explain why you why you're going there, right? Yeah, so okay. we also mix it up. In the, in the same unit, it's where women come into their years, do your family planning, coming those coming for uh, STI treatments or things like that. So you're not really, you're not really, even if a woman comes into your consultation group, you're not really sure what she's going to be coming. Okay. So nobody really knows who's going to be doing that. So okay. yeah, once they come in, they'll do the admissions. Admission will be done. And then from there, they'll come into the consultation room. That's where they'll explain, they'll really explain, they'll tell you they want to do a safer portion. And from there, to Basically, take the history about the, just a the general history, do your blood pressures, everything like that, and then do an ultrasound as well, just to confirm the, the, pregnancy. the pregnancy and how far. And then, obviously, we'll explain to you the, the different methods that are available. There's the uh, medical abortion where you'll be given a uh, medical pill where it basically mimics a miscarriage. That's the simplest way of putting it. Okay. And then that, under nine weeks, we give you, you can go home with it. And then from nine up to 20 weeks, we um, from 9 to 12 weeks, we can also still do the medical abortion, but it's going to be in the clinic where you're going to be keep, you're gonna be kept in the clinic until you expel the product, and then from there we let you go, because that's how it, it, it's done. Or option two, the other option is that we do a, a manual vacuum aspiration. That's where we basically do an aspiration, and basically it's, a, it's like a syringe to basically ev- uh, evacuate the uterus. Under 12 weeks, it takes less than, less than five minutes. Okay. Yeah. And there's no charge for this. There's no charge for it. It's absolutely free. And I think an important point to make is that, you know, if you get abortion tablets from anyone that is not a medical doctor, that is illegal, right? And you are putting your life in grave danger. Yeah, that, that, that's true. You know, once, once just just to put it out there, it's, it's extremely dangerous and it can, it can also be deadly. We've had patients that have died in the hospital because of illegal abortions. The, the latest one that we had was last week Sunday where somebody called me like, it's, you know, because in the community people talk and they tell, you know, this is the number you can call, the toll-free number. We've got a toll-free number which they can call the clinic. Luckily, the, the receptionist who kept the phone, she was able to call, communicate with me and this and this has happened. And I managed to call the lady and I found out that she's like two weeks, she's been bleeding for two, almost two weeks. She's telling me she can't move. Mm. She's shaking. So we had to, I'd like, I told her, it was around 2 a.m. I was like, I can't do much. What you need to do now is just you need to call an ambulance or get somebody to take you to a nearest hospital. Yeah. And from the luckily case, she survived. They did a blood transfusion and all those things. But okay. we were able to go to her and speak to her and like, you know what, this are, the services are available. Don't put your life in danger because of things like that. Okay, and, and what's it was quite, yeah, yeah. Before we let you go, what's this, what's the toll free number? And this because we're running out of time. What's the toll free okay. number that people can call? It's 0800. Yes. One one two one one two. Okay. 
Awesome stuff. Thank you yeah, so much. I'll follow you. and tell them and then they can refer, they'll refer them to my phone and I'll call them back. Okay, great. And I'll follow you on Twitter and you yeah. must follow me back. All right, now I'll do that. Okay, thank you so much for thank joining you, us and thank you for the insightful chat. All right, thanks. Bye. Tonight we're looking at pregnancy choices, uh, more specifically on adoption versus abortion. Would you opt for an abortion over an adoption? And if so, why? So I'm joined on the line by Nina Dickes from the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. And um, I would like her input on this topic. Thank you so much for joining us, Nina. And I hope I pronounced your surname correctly. Dekairis. Yes. Dekairis. Okay. Nina Dekairis from NAXA, the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. And, um, you know, as you've as you've heard, I'm uh, I'm sure you were listening to the previous um, guest I had on. Um, he was you know he works at Doctors Without Borders, and they offer safe abortion, and adoption is also an option for 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 women in South Africa. Um, is this is the adoption option a popular one? I'm I'm not aware of of the abortion and statistics in South Africa at the moment. But the adopt um, but adoption. But adoption, um, it is, it, it, it is, and um, I think many many young girls would opt for abortion um, because they they, um, they cannot afford a, a child or um, they don't want to be a single parent. Often they have relationship problems, and and I see it, it it's easier than than going the adoption route. You know, adoption has got quite long processes. Um, and if you look at um, how the Children's Act is written at this stage, you know, a, a, a young girl of 12 um, can have an, an abortion mm-hmm. without her parents' consent. But should the baby be born, um, if, if the girl is um, younger than, than 18, her parents would have to co-sign um, when giving, making the child available for adoption in court. So um, there are lots more implications when you go the the adoption route um, than the abortion route. I think abortion there's more emotional implications later if it's if it's not dealt with in a correct manner. Okay, and Nina, do you find that um, are, are, are black families or, or or black individuals adopting more? Um, or, oh, yeah, I'm yes, curious about that. Yeah. Yes, no, definitely. I think, um, you know, years ago there was more of a stigma um, related to to adoption within black families. But um, I specifically work for Child Welfare Tuani, um, and and most of the prospective adoptive parents that um, apply at the organisation are, are black couples or black single. Um, parents, you know, that would like to adopt a child. So I think, um, you know, creating awareness regarding adoption has really changed and there's not so much stigmatization um, regarding adoption. You do get, I think, more in um, in the rural areas. Obviously, mm-hmm. you'll still get the stigma of adopting someone else's child, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's gotten much better now. And the pro- the process of adoption. I mean, if you can just talk us through that, um, what what how what is what is the process of it in South Africa? Um, you know, a child would have to be declared adoptable first. So, um, if a child would be uh, abandoned, um, you know, the child would would have to be. We have to to uh, uh, prove that we can't find um, the the biological parents of the child or any family. Yes, of the child. So it's a legal process according to the Children's Act. Um, we open children's court inquiry. The child gets uh, is placed in a temporary safe care while we're doing the the children's court investigations. Um, we have to, if we can't find the parents, we do have to advertise in in a national newspaper, and then there's 90 days within which um, someone can come forward. You know, and claim the child. The parents can come forward. In cases of abandonment, um, it's also a criminal offence. So um, a police uh, a police case would be opened, and yeah. we would try. The police would assist us in trying to find the biological parents. Okay. 
Um, so after the 90 days are over, the child can be declared adoptable um, through a court of the magistrate's court, through a, a presiding officer. And then the process for prospective adoptive parents um, to, to adopt, they have to apply at an accredited um, organization or social worker, and then they have to go through a screening process. What the, what the screening entails is basically that they get orientated on the adoption process. Yeah. Um, they go for individual interviews. Um, we look at the... Um, uh, we we look at their financials, um, and you look at their medical. We look at medicals. We do a home visit. We also have they also have to go for police clearances, um, and um, they have to. We have to check if their name is on the um, national register for sex offenders. Yes. Um, after all that, we follow up on references, and after a whole. Um, assessment is done, they get approved or declined as, as adoptive parents and should they be approved as successful adoptive parents, then they would um, we would match them with an adoptable child. Okay. So there's no um, you know we, we, we um, screen single parents um, couples um, people that are HIV positive, we have to look into the obviously um, the health and the um, the support system. So you have um, to. So you'd have to declare your HIV status as part of the, the oh, screening. Yes, yeah. Yes. And and um, it would be kept confidential. But obviously, if then we would have to look at support systems. Should. Um, you know, uh, should something happen mm-hmm. to the couple, um, we also we also don't discriminate against same-sex couples. Okay. So um, there's really, I think we're just looking for a home for a child. Okay. And for people to make a difference in in a child's life. Okay. And and okay. So say you've matched me with a child, and three months into it, it's not working. Um, what what then happens? Three months into the placement, mm-hmm. into the, the placement. Three months into three months into the placement. Okay, um, you know there is we do do aftercare services, and um, we render support we render support services. But I think you know after going through that journey together, people when they take a big step like that, they're usually very sure mm-hmm. that they want to adopt. There are support systems, but after the adoption is finalized, you know, that child would would be your child, you okay. know. So um, I always say, you know, we've got a no-return policy. You know, we have to deal with the issues. No, that's, yeah, and that's, um, that's a fair hand. statement to make, and that's what, that's what I wanted to find out. Yes. Okay. After the adoption is finalized, the child is legally yours, as if the child was born um, from 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 you. Okay. You know, so so then there there is um, the, the the adoption is registered and there's a no return policy. Okay, so we'll take a few calls. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Kai FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. And you're listening to me, Cindy Fansale, on Saipod Cindy. And I'm talking to Nina Dikaires. She's from the um, National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. So we have Lindy from MDNI on the line. Good evening, Lindy, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, thanks. I have two questions. Um, does the or the parent have a choice or the person who wants to adopt have a choice on the age group of the child? That's the first question. And my second question is, should I say I want a one-month-old child? Does the law allow me to take maternity because uh, I need to maybe take off the child, child for the first few months? Uh, is there a law like that uh, And if you go under the adoption process? Okay, so Nina, that those two questions are for you. Um, yes, you do have a choice as to um, adopting a child. You can ask um, for a child at what age, but it wouldn't be possible to adopt a child of a month old because the child would have to be declared um, adoptable first. So even if the parents would um, give consent to the child's adoption, um, there are 60 days according to the Children's Act in which they can retrieve the consent. And we, we usually, that's the time the child is in temporary safe care mm-hmm. um, with screened parents. 
um, only after the 60 days are over, we both, the father and the mother, have signed consent, um, can the child be declared adoptable and placed with um, screened prospective adoptive parents. Okay, so so it, it, no one has ever adopted a one-month-old or a, a two-week-old? No, no. Okay, because there's a lot of other... to go through the, cro- the, process. the whole process. I think before the, the, in the old Act, you know, before the amendments to the Act in 2010, that was possible. But at this stage, according to the Act, um, you know, when it's non-disclosed adoptions, um, it's not possible. Okay, and in terms of taking um, maternity or paternity leave... Yes, um, once the adoption is finalized, then we do, uh, or once a child is placed, um, pending finalization, then, um, you know, the workers can give a letter um, confirming that um, they are adopting a child and um, the, the the prospective adoptive parent um, is, uh, can, take maternity, uh, can take adoption leave. Okay. Well, we have Corsi on the line calling us from Joburg, who also has a question for you, Nina. Corsi, welcome to the show. Um, hi, evening. I just had a quick one with regards to uh, adoption. What are the rules in South Africa with regards to a single parent, a single person? So someone who's not married um, and is keen on adopting, does the state allow that? How do we go about that? Okay. Thanks for that. Nina? Hi Nina. Um, hello. Hi. Yes. Do yes. you get Do you get the question? Yes, I do. Okay. Can single parents adopt? Yes. A single person. Yes, a single person can adopt. Um, there's There's no discrimination. They must just. We do go look at. Do they have support systems within their family? And um, and, and a child is never adopted by just one person or a couple. The child gets adopted by the whole family. Mm-hmm. So I think we do go look at support systems, and everybody must benefit um, from from the adoption. Okay. So there's no discrimination at all. Okay, so we just we're gonna take um, we're gonna chat to Dr. Lusanda Shimangyam. So she's an obstetrician gynecologist based in Joburg, and she's joining us um, for the show. Good evening, Dr. Lusanda, and welcome to the show. Evening, hi, how are you? Good, thanks. So the reason we asked you to join us on the show was to to you know to to obviously weigh in on um, um, abortion, safe abortions, which is what we are working what we're working daily towards. I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to offering safe abortions to every woman that needs it. And you yeah. do a lot of work in the private, both the private and the public sector. Okay. Yes, I do. So in the private sector, right? So say I'm a, I'm a private sector patient, I'm on medical aid. What, how would I go about, you know, coming in for a safe abortion? So, I mean, I do get a lot of inquiries about that where it's patients who've just um, found out that they're pregnant and we have the conversation and they really come outright from the beginning and say, look, I'm not ready to have this baby and um, what should I do? And as health workers, as you might know, is that um, we don't, if you don't necessarily, there's a baby in the background. No problem, you're a mommy, you understand. (laughs) You don't necessarily need to perform the um, the termination of pregnancy yourself, but it's your duty as a health worker yes. to refer to an institution. Yes. So myself personally, I generally write a letter. I'll do the scans and everything to make sure it's an intrauterine pregnancy and it's not an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. And then from that, I will write a letter and refer the patient to a health provider who does termination of pregnancy or to an institution that does termination of pregnancy, obviously depending on the gestational age. That way I do make sure that that person has a safe abortion because as um, you guys were talking about earlier, that unsafe abortions really contribute to maternal mortality and morbidity. Yes, they do. And so is is this something that medical aid would pay for or would it come from your savings? So from what I've um, picked up that it is it's, it's on a cash basis, okay. right? And that um, I haven't personally checked whether medical aid um, does um, pay for it, but um, I know that a lot of the health providers do work on a cash basis. 
Okay. All right. And mm-hmm. and and when you when you offer options to the to the patients that you see, um, have mm-hmm. you ever put adoption as an option? And if you have, what has been the you know the the response? No, all the time. I mean, and I think it really depends also on the um, at, on the gestation that the um, the patient presents. So, if you have a patient that is beyond what the legal termination of pregnancy is, a termination of pregnancy act, then in that case, then I would say that these are your options. How do you feel about it? Obviously, it's more difficult at that time because there would have been a bond, and it's only patients who. They had a fall out with the partner and mm-hmm. now doesn't want to bring up the baby by themselves and so forth. So it's always an emotional decision more than anything because all along it's been fine for me to be pregnant, to have the baby up until my partner books out on me, mm. you know. So offer that um, we've had patients where they're happy with the, they, where they don't believe in termination of pregnancy, they're happy to carry the baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and they do say, look, as soon as the baby is born, please just take the baby away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Please yeah. take the baby away. And obviously we respect that. So, but obviously less often than not, more often you get patients who coming in for termination of pregnancy. Okay. So going back to Nina, um, so Nina, so, so you have a, so you have a mom that's decided that I mean, she's going to have the baby and the baby must be given up for adoption from, from, from birth, right? Does she get a chance to see her baby at all or it's just a case of deliver the baby and then take the baby away? Um, she has a choice. You know, we do, um, we do counsel her on, on the different options she has um, regarding the baby. Is she going to keep the baby? Is, she gonna, is the baby going to go into foster care um, within the family or, or the adoption option? And, um, you know, they have to make an informed decision. Um, and we are there to guide and support them to make informed decisions. You know, we also give them an option whether they want to see the baby or not. So if if the mother comes to us for support before um, before the baby being born, then then we do guide them through the process. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, very often we we find we only get the babies um, after they've been born, okay. and um, and you know which complicates the matters. But they do do get counselling and they do get. So tonight we're looking at pregnancy choices, specifically adoption versus um, abortion. Um, what would you choose if you were in that situation? So. What I read earlier on was that according to research, since abortions were legalized in South Africa, young pregnant women are opting more for abortion than putting their babies um, up for adoption because of the emotional trauma of having the carrying the baby to term, then having the baby and having to give the baby up. And joining us for this chat, I have with Dr. Lusanda Shimangi Matsose, an obstetrician gynecologist from Johannesburg, and also Nina Dikaires from the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. And she's been really giving us informa- great information on, on the adoption process um, in South Africa. So you can call us on 086-0000959 or SMS on 36959. So Nina, coming back to you, um, um, because obviously your information is information that very few of us um, know about. So say a couple adopts a child and then, uh, and, and you guys obviously, you, you do keep checking up on them and a few months later or a year or so later, the couple breaks up. Um, what would then happen to the child in terms of, yeah, what would happen to the child? That's what I'm asking. That would be dealt with as any other separation or divorce case. You know, okay. we um, there would be you know a parenting plan and mediation, and because um, that that child would form part of their union as they adopted the child together. Okay. So it would be the same as any other divorce or separation. Okay. I mean, what would you know, so you spoke about how you you screen the person or the people that want to adopt, and then if they qualify, then it's, they're good to go. What would disqualify a person from being put up as an adoptive parent? What What are the things that you guys are looking for? The red flags. Um, I think it would be uh, wanting to adopt for for um, the motivation would be wrong. You know, often um, parents have lost a child and they would come forward and they haven't grieved the loss of their, 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 their biological child and they would want to replace 
um, that child. So that would, would be one example. Um, you know, and if the reasons for adoption yes. is not in the best interest of the child or of the family, you know, um, mm-hmm. should they have other children who do not buy into the adoption, then that wouldn't be a, a good reason to adopt because, you know, um, I think they have a responsibility towards the other children first. So, you know, we're looking for a home for a child, yes. not a child for a family. So um, it's very important that it's a win-win situation and and that everybody is happy um, in the end. And is there any cost involved in, in, in the process? I mean, you're an organization. I'm sure you need funds to run. Yes, um, there are costs, you know. They, um, well, they are, every, every organization um, works on their own, but usually we, we, have, um, we have sliding scales. You don't have to be rich um, to, to adopt a child. Um, or to care for a child, you know. So we do have um, costs. We do, uh, but on on a sliding scale according to people's income. Mm-hmm. So um, it's also our way of of raising funds and um, of of um, paying the overheads. Even though we are subsidised by the government, it doesn't cover all the costs um, that we have um, as wealthy organisations. Okay. Now you'd like to share with us. Just a rough, a ballpark figure of how much it is, or is that is that classified information? Um, as I said, it all depends. Every every case is dealt with on its own merit and on everybody's um, individual basis. So we we you know if there are problems, it's not about the money. It's really about um, getting a home for a child. Okay, all right, and that's the voice of um, Nina Dikares from the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa. Coming back to Dr. Lusanda Shimangi Matsose, an obstetrician from Johannesburg. Um, Dr. Lusanda, so 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 yeah. So coming back to the to the abortion services that are offered, um, the counselling, the the yeah, the pre counselling, the post counselling, the possibility of depression after a termination is done. Um, you know, any thoughts around that? So every patient needs to be counseled. In, well, first of all, any procedure that's done on a patient needs to be counseled. Yes. Right? And obviously, depending on whether it's the first trimester or second trimester abortion, because that has different implications, we know that um, terminations of pregnancy done in the second trimester carry more morbidity than those done in the first trimester. Okay, so, so the first trimester is how many weeks and then second trimester is how many weeks? So basically, it's zero to, let's just say, 12, 13. Yes. And then 13 to 20. So this is all according to the Terminations of Pregnancy um, Act, where it says anyone below the age of 12 can, um, which will basically be your first trimester, yes. can ask for a termination of pregnancy and then up to 20 weeks. Okay. Um, right. So with regard to that, um, there is counseling that does go on from the um, what is actually going to happen and obviously to make sure that the person is sure about having determination themselves. Okay. Right. And then post the, um, the abortion, there are some patients who have actually, and I know they say, no, you haven't formed the bond with a thesis that's 12 weeks, but you do get some patients who have actually formed that bond and their reasons for, everyone has different reasons for terminating. So after that, we do offer them counselling and of course, um, contraception going forward. Okay, and um, we have a caller. Okay, no, we don't have a caller. Okay, um, and then and so so, what are the, the the danger signs to look for? So, say you've had a termination of pregnancy, and um, you you go home, and then you you know you bleed for a few days, and you're okay. But a week later, you're now bleeding profusely. You're feverish. You're not feeling well. Wh- what would tell me to go straight back to the hospital or to the nearest facility? So. First of all, when part of the counselling, we'll obviously to look for things that aren't quite okay. So we will tell them that you will bleed for a few uh, a few days after the termination, because obviously, you know, when you've given birth at a term pregnancy, you have what you call low care, you have that bleeding afterwards. So you will have that. But persistent bleeding, you need to come and get checked out, because it's very possible that not all the products of conception were removed. Okay. Any form of abdominal pain you need to come and get checked out because it's very possible that your uterus may have been perforated. Okay. If you start getting feverish and shivering and so forth, 
vomiting, also come and get checked out because it's very possible that your uterus could have been perforated and now we're dealing with a case of septic shock. And this is so important because, and it's something that's very close to my heart because we see a lot of these illegal terminations happening at six months and so forth. There's no counseling that goes um, into it. And it's just patients where the fetus is delivered and then they're sent home. And then by the time we get the patients at the hospital, they're literally in septic shock and these patients end up having hysterectomies or losing their lives. So it's important that whoever goes to a termination of pregnancy goes to an approved place and is not fetching tablets from the nearby you can't mention any fast food chains and so forth, but you know those ones. You can't go and get tablets from those places. It needs to be from a certified institution by a registered health practitioner. Mm. And this is this is this is life saving information because we still do see um a high number of illegal abortions in the country and lives are lost or your future fertility is lost because then you've lost your, you've lost your womb. You've had a hysterectomy to, to, to stem the bleeding or, you know, get rid of the infection. And that's that. And I think that's where the issue is, is that people, I mean, women get so desperate, right? Because of the stigma attached to it. So you come to um, a person such as myself and you say you want an abortion and I pass this judgment on you as to why do you want an abortion to know that you're killing a life and so forth instead of just actually respecting that this woman wants, has come to you to ask for a safe termination of pregnancy mm. and, 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 and a lot of girls either the information is not out there or they're just really ashamed and we need to break that stigma because Termination of pregnancy is legal in South Africa. And yes, the it reason is. that it's legal is because of all the maternal deaths that were actually occurring and are still occurring because either the information is not getting filtered through or it's a stigma attached to it. And just on that same note, it's where now we also have to practice preventative medicine. Yes. Contraceptive facilities are free in South Africa. They are free. So mm. if we are if we get our ladies on contraception, then we can avoid the whole um, cycle of termination of pregnancy and illegal terminations of pregnancy, maternal morbidity, maternal mortality. Thank you so much, Dr. Lusanda. Um, and we can catch you on Twitter at MyFirstGynae. Yes, that's the one. Thank you so much for joining us on Sidebar Cindy. Thanks for having me. Okay. So Nina, coming back to you. Um, so Nina is Nina de Kairis is from the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa, and she's she's been informing us on the procedure of of um, adoption. Um, adoptive parents should be above what age? What's the, obviously above the age of eighteen? So would you would would you consider an eighteen year old suitable for adoption, or is there a, a minimum age? Um, adoptive parents have to be over the age of 18, but we, we usually look over the age of 25. Okay. Um, you know, when, when they have settled and stabilized and, and, but as I say, but every child, every case that comes our way, um, can be different. You know, um, we do have, um, we do have cases, you know, where siblings, where both parents have passed away and siblings would want to adopt a child. So we would look a, a, into, would want to adopt their brother or sister yes. for, for different reasons. We would look at that as well. As, as we don't just do non-disclosed adoptions. We also do open adoptions um, where family members, you know, adopt. Okay. Um, Okay, so our last caller for the evening is Deboho. Deboho, welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Hi, Dr. Cindy. Hi, thanks for the call. Thank you so much for allowing me to call in. Okay, so what's your what's your comment? What's your question for this for this evening? Um, I think I just wanted to say that I just wanted to share the message that um, there isn't anything wrong for women to be able to to terminate. Um, a pregnancy because I have had that experience before. Yes. Um, so it should be an option that women are given when they go to to healthcare facilities because there isn't um, anything wrong, I believe, in wanting to go for that option. Mm. Um, because for me at the time when I went to the healthcare facility, they didn't really give me an option to 
have to adopt or to want to adopt mm. um, or, or kind of give away the child. So it, it wasn't an option that was given. So maybe if healthcare facilities can be able to also give women that option as well, it would be great. And um, also the option to be able to, to, to terminate would also be great. But I think um, in closing, I just wanted to say that for, for young girls and women out there, there isn't um, anything wrong in making your own choice as to um, what you want to do with with your pregnancy. If they do give you an option to uh, to give your baby for adoption, sure, you can go for it. But also, if you have an option to be able to terminate, I think you can also um, go for that depending on where you're coming from mm. or where you want to be um, at a certain stage. So... Yes. Thank you so much um, for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so wrapping up with Nina. Um, Nina, thank you so much for sharing all the information um, that you've shared with us. Um, where can we get more information? Where can we find um, the National Adoption Coalition of South Africa online or what number can we call if we want more information? Um, you can go onto the the website. Um, it's NAXA, yes. uh, the National Adoption um, dot org, um, and and there it's a website where where um, you can follow all the links and all the organisations that are accredited um, to to for adoption okay. um, would be on that link. And and in closing, I'd like to say it's just very important that that young girls. Um, make an informed decision and there is support out there um, to help them through difficult stages and to prevent them from abandoning their baby. Okay, well thank you so much. I've learned so much from you this evening and um, I'm happy that you made time to be on our show. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. Great stuff. Okay, so that was Sidebar Cindy on a Wednesday evening. Um, my closing statements before I go, I'll be back on Monday by the way, I'm not in tomorrow but I'll be back on Monday. Um, just remember that abortion is legal in South Africa. So if you ever need to do a termination of pregnancy, it's available at um, any healthcare facility, public sector facility. And if the healthcare pr- practitioner can't help you, then that person is obliged to refer you to a place that will help you. So please don't, don't go for the illegal abortions. Abortion is legal and you can have it done safely. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.